Welcome to Game On, the weekly football podcast bringing together seasoned professionals, the male star football writers and a celebrity fan or two. I'm your host, Mark Pugach. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple and Google. And if you haven't already, why not sign up for the daily Mail Plus briefing at mailplus.co.uk, where you can also watch Game On on video. Hello, I'm Mark Pugach. Welcome to Game On. Well, he's doing everything according to his manager just at the moment. And last night, Harry Kane scored twice as Tottenham looked like they're set for the quarterfinals of the Europa League. Joining me to discuss this, Tottenham's form and Kane's form, we have Steve Sidwell, who played for Chelsea, Fulham and Reading, amongst others. Alan McAnally, the former Celtic, Scotland and Bayern Munich striker. And the Daily Mail's chief sports writer, Martin Sandy. Hello, everybody. I hope you're well. After a busy week of European football, Alan, we've enjoyed watching Haaland this week scoring. And Bappe, of course, is terrific. But mm. surely... Is Harry Kane not as good as those two? Simply, he is unstoppable, Harry Kane. I know. I don't know whether we just take Harry Kane for granted um, because we see him every week. But Harry Kane's numbers are incredible in mm. terms of even assists. Because you always talk about, okay, if you're not scoring goals as a striker, you need to be giving something else to the team. There must be something else. There must be an assist. You've got to be holding the ball up, passing it to someone, nodding the ball down for somebody, passing it into an area. He gets goals as well, but does all that. It's, it's incredible. I mean, Mourinho must be pinching himself sometimes that he's not injured and he's in the team. Because without Harry Kane, there's, there's no chance, absolutely no chance, Spurs are going to be anywhere near, near the top of the league without Harry Kane. Yeah. Steve, 26 goals this season for Harry Kane, 16 assists. Yeah. So as, as Alan says... It's, it's the laying on the goals, it's the scoring goals. And we can't put down a number for his, for his defensive headers either, for his defensive work this season, which seems to have gone to another level. I mean this as a compliment. He's a monster, isn't he? You'd kick yeah. off, Tottenham kick off, you think, well, Kane's going to score. It's just a question of when. I mean, he, he literally is the talisman, isn't he? I mean, Son done ever so well when he came in and filled the gap when, when Harry Kane was injured and the understanding... Uh, and partnership that they've struck up is, is you know, it's telepathic, isn't it? But it's right. It's the whole package with Harry Kane. It's what you get defensively, the hard yards. He doesn't moan. He doesn't grumble. He tracks back the amount of times you see him tracking runners, as you say, headers in his own uh, six-yard box, as well as uh, as well as well scoring them in the other box. It, it, it's, it's the whole thing. And his goals. I mean, his goals, left foot, right foot, hard finishes, composed, cultured finishes. And, and Alan's nailed it on the head there. We take him for granted because we do see him week in and week out. And it actually makes you think if he was to get a move or to, to force a move um, to someone like Man City that would be putting goals on a plate for him, I mean, his numbers would literally just go through the roof even more. Steve, there was a game, sorry, there was Steve the other day, sorry, Martin, just one thing, and it's only something that was in my head when the, when the game was on. And the, the boy Vinicius hasn't done anything wrong. He genuinely has. I mean, he's not a top, absolute top-end player. And he started the game and I was like, ah, damn it. I wanted Kane starting. Mm. You know what I mean? And that, that's just me watching the game. Not that I don't. Listen, Vinicius, I hope the boy scores 100 goals a season. Don't have a problem with him. But just the fact that Harry wasn't the team, I was like, ah, damn it. I'm, I'm happy watching Harry all day long, whether he plays up front or whether he plays right back. Mm. Martin, this is the bit that Tottenham fans hate and will throw things at us. They're going to have to, they're going to, have to show a massive level of, uh, are they going forward, Tottenham, that they really can compete to try and win the league, to try and get in the Champions League every season. Because Harry Kane would grace any team in the world, quite simply. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, problem, the problem is, he, the problem that Harry has got at the moment is, is the timings all wrong. Because Real Madrid and Barcelona's finances have never been... In a, in a in a weaker position, really, uh, Bayern Munich don't spend the sort of money that Tottenham uh, would demand uh, on on players. So you're looking at at the moment a move within this country, unless unless it's Pochettino and Paris Saint Germain. But Paris Saint Germain have got have got Mbappe basically, and they've got Neymar, and and you know how many how many strikers can you get into Probably. that team? Yeah. Um, so um, Although he's a very different player to those two guys, you know, finding room for them all and everyone wanting to take up position A and, and, and everything is would, would be difficult. So 
his options might be limited. I've always thought yeah, Manchester City would he would be perfect for Manchester City. But whether Man City see it like that when you you know if they could get Haaland, who knows? You can't see how he going somewhere like Chelsea. Chelsea need a, a proper, uh, a massively a good regular goal scoring centre forward because they haven't got one. Um, so, but. You can't see how he walking across London to play for, for Chelsea because they're one of Tottenham's biggest rivals. So, mm. you know, you you wonder what there is. You do wonder what there is for him. Manchester City seems perfect. It would seem perfect for everybody, but but you don't know. I mean, they, they, if Haaland was cheaper and in with the, with the sort of level of the deals that uh, Levy has wanted done, Daniel Levy has wanted done in the past, Haaland could be cheaper. If Haaland was cheaper and you were Manchester City, you'd go, well, cheaper, younger, you know, that's the, that's the route we're going. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, it's a very, it's a lot of things with transfers, a lot of it is the timing. The timing's got to be right. There's some fantastic moves that never came off just because it, it wasn't the right time. I wonder whether Harry's in that situation this summer. Alan, could you see him staying at Tottenham then yeah. for the rest of his career? He does love Spurs, and I've, I've always, every time he's done a, an interview, I haven't heard Harry, and by the way, he keeps his counsel close to his chest, which is fine. As football players, you do that, certainly we do an interview. But I, again, what Martin was talking about, I'm always thinking, when, so, when we start talking about Harry Kane, where in God's name is he going to go? A, who's going to afford him? Now, Martin mentioned five clubs or four clubs, and he didn't mention Manchester, mention Manchester United. Because no. in my head, I was thinking... <clears throat> If Man United don't get their finger out and get Harry Kane, they ain't winning the league off of Man City. Or if Liverpool get their finger out and start being the club they were 18 months ago. But the problem is with that, I'm thinking, well, it's never going to happen because if they were dithering over €7 million to try and get Jadon Sancho, then they're never going to pay as much as Spurs want for Harry Kane. No chance. Rather than just say, how much? £135 Right, Harry, you're a Man United player. Now, the question originally asked me was, he, would he leave Spurs? I think if it came to the point of, and Steve's probably going to be uh, with me, hopefully, in this, you want to win something. I want a medal. Mm. I want a final. I want a cup final. Playing for your country is brilliant, but I want to be in a cup final and I want to be in a run to win a league. And there is nothing like it, I can assure you. Nothing like it. And Harry hasn't had that yet. He has a final, mate, you coming up against... Man City, doesn't he? But in the League Cup, to be honest, I don't remember even Graham Taylor playing me in the League Cup because he wasn't that interested. And that's 25 years ago. So um, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know whether he's going to win in it. As far as that would be a big problem for me. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the other problem, like, they could win the League Cup. This is one of the great poison chalices in football at the moment. You win the League Cup, you go into that um, third UEFA tournament next season where you're spending... Yeah. Thursday night playing the sort of League Cup winners <laughs> from the ILO Puffins or, or, or wherever, wherever it is, you know, and and um, and, and away, you know, that, that's that's not that's not what he was there for no. either. You know, no. you'd be better off. Even the Europa League's better than that. Um, so it, you know, it could be a great irony that Tottenham could win the, the, the you know their first trophy. <laughs> I mean, they've got to get past Man City, but they could win their first trophy. Since 2008, I want to say. Yeah, the League yeah. Cup final. Uh, yeah, League, yeah, Cup, yeah Cup 2008. Final, yeah. And it would be a completely poison chalice in terms of what it could do to you next season. Because mm. that would that would mess up all of your schedules. And, 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 and I can't imagine there's going to be much revenue in it because the clubs always complain that there's not really much in the Europa League. So God knows what there'll be in the, in the one that's not mm. quite the Europa League. <laughs> Steve, I ask you this question having started your career at Arsenal when yeah. Harry Kane went off and put an ice pack on his leg Twitter was ablaze with no chance he'll be injured for Sunday no chance no. come on Jose you can't pull that one on us <laughs> yeah no uh, absolutely no chance I mean Harry Kane we talk about him there literally about him moving away from Spurs I think it'll be an almighty wrench for him to, to leave and it will be down to, to winning trophies, uh, it would be nothing down to financial packages, anything like that. But if we're talking someone that's come through the ranks, knows what it means to play for Spurs. I mean, that Arsenal-Spurs game is just huge. It's the first one on the calendar uh, that every Spurs fan and Arsenal fan look for. And he will be out there. 
you know, he will be out there. There's always there's always a precaution with Harry because you just never know. You do never know with it when he's carrying knocks and that ankle does look like it is uh it is frail over over the last few seasons. But even if he's thirty percent fit, he is playing. And Steve, Kane and Son and Bale and whoever are saying to Leno on Saturday on Sunday, go on then, play it out. Go on, play a short pass to Jack or Sabias. Go on. <laughs> Do what you want. It's, they'll, be like, they'll be like sharks in jaws, that lot, won't they? Oh. Circling. I mean, this this risk and reward uh, style of play, I mean, it's been around for ages. And when it when it comes off, it looks great uh, playing through the thirds. But you've just got to know, as a, as any player, not even a goalkeeper, but <coughs> decision-making is, is the key here. I mean, the Leno won last week against Burnley. Xhaka uh, did, you know, done no no help in terms of coming down the line of the ball, giving um, giving Leno an option. But Leno should know not to play that one. But last night, I mean, he's made, he's done the right thing at first. If you actually watch it back, he he, he pulled to the right hand side of the box to make an angle, and when he receives it, he could play Bellerin. He could play Bellerin down the right hand side, or just go long down the right hand side. But for some reason, he tries to play back into traffic, back into where there's bodies into Shabayos to bounce the ball out. But yeah, I mean, if I mean any team playing against Arsenal now, you press, you press them because Arsenal dominate games like they did last night. But when it goes back into their own third, you just get so nervous. Alan, do you watch all this playing out from the back sometimes and feel, I don't know, do you feel a bit like an old man and go, oh, for goodness sake, what are you doing? Well, <clears throat> I had only one, it, was, it wasn't really until I was in Germany that we would do both. Your painters would say, especially at home, Right, come to the halfway. He would shout at me, giving it leg, leave, leave them with it, leave them with it, and come back to the halfway line and let them come. And then when we nick it, that's when we went. And it was only sometimes in European games that we would try and press them to try and obviously take the ball off them and try and condense that a little bit better um, and obviously keep pressure on them. But watching any club, any football team who think they're as good as the 1970 Brazil World Cup team, you're like, <laughs> seriously, by the only thing you should be practicing on a Friday morning the goalkeeper, is a cross-field ball to Aubameyang and a cross-field ball to Pepe, who are, for the, I'm just talking about the game on Saturday, yeah. rather than give it... And when Steve said he thought he did the right thing, Chaka, well, that'll be the first in a lot of games. But I just think it's an incredible, <laughs> a, a, an incredible arrogance. Genuinely. A real arrogance. Listen, if you're a good player, confidence is different than arrogance. And doing the right thing as a top player, to be confident, is different than arrogance. And I saw last night an arrogance, Louise as well, at a time on the left-hand side, it was right almost on the line. And he's tried to play in up the line and it's hit the defender. And he's unlucky, the, the, the attacker, he didn't keep the ball in play. And I thought, what are you doing? Seriously, mm. what are you doing? At least come out, or if you're going to play it up the line, get a bit of height on it and lift it over and at least let someone run in. Listen, modern-day football... And yeah, you said Pep's got a lot to answer for. Yeah. If you've got if you've got Beckenbar and Virgil van Dijk and X, Y, and Z, then play out in the middle all day long. Otherwise, do the right thing. Don't take too many chances. Because if you're going to get pressed and you're going to think it's Spurs and Sutton at the weekend are going to think, okay, if Louise gets it and Chaka gets it, five yeah. nil. End of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, that, that, yeah. that's the thing that 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 um, you've got to have better footballers. You can do it, but you've got to have exceptional yeah. footballers yeah, to be able to do it. And 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 Pep's got that with uh, Edison, um, who's a very very good, but but mainly in terms of longer passes rather than the, the shorter thing. And he had it with Manuel Neuer, who's probably the best in the world at it, and and possibly the one goalkeeper that you look at and think. <clears throat> could possibly play outfield. I mean, there's not too... You know, I know they all think they can, but there's not too many of them. I'm sure Steve might might know one or, or something like that. But, <laughs> but um, you know, they're... they Granit Xhaka, that was just a bad, bad football decision. I, 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 I can remember watching, uh, watching Brazil play. Kaka takes the ball with three people around him. And they, they give it to him, he calls for it, and they feed it into Kaka, and he's got three people around him. And he gets out of it because he's Kaka. Granit Zaka is not Kaka. Yeah. No. I didn't realise that rhymed until I started that sentence. I'm very, very happy with it. But, um, <laughs> but, but Martin, you know give, give, me, give me one for Ogentala because you can get <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> with everything. 
I used to be on his back at training and I couldn't get the ball off him. Oh, <laughs> yeah, because, do you know what, Zach wasn't good enough to, 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 to play himself out of trouble with three guys around him. And, and the decision that he made, one, you know, fair play, he's, he's tried to give Leno an out ball. Yeah. But, uh, but it's a bad football decision, do you, do you yeah. not think? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's not a smart football decision. There are yeah. times you want to say, Steve, to Arteta, you're coaching Arsenal now, not Man yeah. City. You keep yeah, thinking exactly. you're coaching the Man City players, you're not. Well, that, that's the biggest question that I would like to have answered is, what is, what is the instructions that he's giving Leno? Is he saying, under no circumstances, you go long? We're going to be playing one way, plan A, and we're going to play, play and we're going to make mistakes, but we're going to get better at it. Or is he, is he telling him, listen, you pick and choose your moments? Because if he's saying that, then it comes purely down on Leno's decision making. Mm. Yeah, mm. interesting. Right, right, but it's, it's, not, it's, it's not, sorry, it's, it's not that I don't like it. And at times I think it can work, but you've got to have a, a vision in terms of when you're, when you're even training to say, this is when we can do it and yep. this is absolutely definitely when we can do it and if you're going to do it and we know the centre half split the full backs go on and one of the centre mids come back in and takes the ball well the goalkeeper can't be giving it to a centre midfield player if mm. everybody's piling on them and if, and if they have pressed the ball that much the goalkeeper has got to realise that that's the out ball and not here yeah. anyway mm. in my yeah. opinion if I was coaching that's what I'd be saying but I just think there's a bit of arrogance in modern-day footballers are like, mm. yeah, give me the ball. I know I've got players down about me, but I'm so good, I'm going to watch this. And then you go, right, OK, so we're one down, so we won't do that again. Yeah, yeah. I saw Chelsea Thanks. play, uh, when Chelsea played at Manchester United early in the season, I started counting it. And I think, off the top of my head, I could look through my notebook and find it. I think it was 13 times or 14 times before they got into Manchester United's half. Yeah playing mm-hmm. out, well, and it was Mendy in goal, uh, playing out, it was, I think, 13 or 14 times before actually the move went into Manchester United's half. Everything else either lost possession or ended up in a throwing or, or, or mm-hmm. something like that. And you think, well, <laughs> you've got 20 yards upfield and you've got a throwing in your own half. I mean, what, what, mm-hmm. what's, and it wasn't always there throwing, by the way. Yeah. Um, and you're thinking, Really? Yeah, that, that that's this is this is not working. I mean, as you yeah. say, if you clip it into midfield, that's what Leicester did against Manchester City. They worked out. Yeah. What everyone tries to do against Manchester City, as Brendan Rodgers is, you know, what everyone tries to do against Manchester City is they try and play like Man City. So they'll they'll like high press. Oh, don't let them don't let them start mm. play. But actually, the best footballer at Man City, you said in, in the back. This was last season in the in the back four is a back five is is Edison. Yeah. Said, so what everyone does is they push up on the defence and Edison just clips it into midfield and, and, and now you're under the pump straight away. Mm-hmm. And Leicester, if you look at what, how Leicester play Man City, they drop back. They let the defence have it. They, what they don't want to do is let Edison have it. And of course, Steve, how, how, let's get, we'll get on to Man United, Steve. And of course, how Man United beat the Man City press to some extent with the second goal of the weekend was, was a throw. Henderson's throw actually beat the first line, didn't it? And they were away with Shaw. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and sure, I mean, I've been mean, talking about Shaw. I mean, how well has he come on uh, this season? He's been brilliant, breath of fresh air. But it just goes to show. I mean, you look at that that run that Man City was on. You're thinking it's an unstoppable train. I mean, they're going to power for everyone. But Man United. I mean, the goal helped, no doubt, the early goal. Uh, but the second goal is just a prime example. Beat the press, carry the ball high up the pitch, be uh, incisive uh, and direct, and you can score. Mm. And they couldn't and, quite and, back that up, though, could they, Alan, last night, Man United? That, that, that impressive win at City and the confidence yeah. it must have given them. They were, they were back to that rather scrappy Man United last night. I know, it's a proper Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, genuinely Jekyll and Hyde. And, and listen, I, I, I did a piece actually before the United City game, and I was like, he's got an, they've got an unbelievable record against City, and so has Oligon and Solskjaer. Mm. And at the end of the game, I was like, OK, because I bet City, obviously, thinking United can't beat them. And then I was like, yeah, well done, big man, because you actually told everybody you thought that United had a good record. So did Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And for whatever reason, the way he plays against them, gets it. And the goal that Shaw gets is exactly what you should be trying to do and, and get your foot. Get, and not only that, by the way, and, and, and it can't happen unless Shaw runs 50 yards because there's so many players run 10 yards, check back in and looking for a pass in, inside. And it was just brilliant. But last night again, I'm thinking, oh, no. 
as soon as they scored, well, not even as soon as they scored, but the chances they had, and to be honest, they probably should have had a goal in the first half, AC Milan. Mm. I don't mm. know if United will beat them over there. I genuinely mm. don't. And mm. if they play the way they did last night, Milan will beat them. But then again, I didn't think they'd go to PSG and win over there. So maybe all they got on the socials got a bit of gold dust that just sprinkles on them on a, on a Wednesday night and all of a sudden they get a result that nobody thinks they can get. But yeah, it must be very frustrating being a Man United fan at the moment, for sure. And Martial, 45 minutes. Oh. I mean, do, do me a favour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Martin, you, have to find, you have to fancy AC in the return leg, Martin, don't you, after what we saw last night? Yeah, I mean, well, particularly as how many injuries they had. I mean, they didn't even have a full subspench AC Milan. Um, and it, it, but the thing with Manchester United is it still looks so random. I know it, it, it seems quite strange because they play against Manchester City and they've clearly got a plan and, and everything, but it, it, the plan then isn't there the following week. Do you, do you, mm. I, I, I find it very hard. Um, tracking Manchester United and, and, and predicting what Manchester United are going to do because a Pep Guardiola team looks like the Pep Guardiola team and Jurgen Klopp and you, you know, and you, 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 they didn't, wouldn't even need to wear their colours. You could actually look at, you know, they could turn up in a plain white t-shirts and you'd go, oh, that's Man City or that's Liverpool. Mm. And you, you'd know. Tuchel the same now at Chelsea. It's a very, very clearly, a clearly defined identity. Manchester United still... <laughs> Still looks at times like 11 good players sent out there and one week it'll work and one week it won't. And one week everyone will be on it and the next week they won't. And I find it quite quite strange, really, because you could tell a Ferguson team. You could mm. tell what they were going to do. It was, you know, it was very, very clear and it doesn't seem the same way. So God knows what you're going to get in the San Siro next week. Yeah. I, really, I really don't know. I would think I'd fancy AC Milan on last night, yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Stephen, Man United at the moment? I mean, they are impossible to pin down, aren't they? They are. I, I, and literally, just picking up there what Martin said, uh, you look at their game plan or their philosophy at the moment, it just seems like it's to give the ball to Bruno, uh, to Bruno Fernandes. You know, it's yeah. give him the ball and he'll make something happen. It's not as if even when he gets it, you see the same runs, uh, the wide men making them inside channel runs, inside uh, in, in behind defence. It just seems all off the cuff, but he, mm. he's a man that can produce that moment of magic, but they rely on him so much. Take him out of the team. And again, you've got so many talisman in, in teams now, Kane, Vardy's, your, um, uh, you know, Fernandez, uh, Antonio at West Ham. There's so many that rely on one player and he's so heavily relied on at Manchester United. Yeah. Uh, better week for Liverpool, Alan. What do you think? Uh, Jurgen Klopp says he won't take the German job. What What do your friends in Germany say about that? Obviously, in the, in the week that Joachim Löw says he'll leave after the Euros. Yeah, nobody surprised. Nobody surprised at that yet. I don't think they think it's time for Jurgen Klopp to take the job yet. And I think the job that he's got at Liverpool, they think is almost not bigger, but too big for him still, especially the way the season's gone. And he, he doesn't think they'll, he'll come back on a negative if you know what I mean, he'll need to leave on his terms and get Liverpool back to where he thinks they should possibly be. So I'm not really genuinely surprised about it. Um, a little birdie told me that uh, Hansi might be interested, even though, I mean, how can you leave Bayern Munich in the state? He's put Hansi him in, Flick my God. Might want the yeah, sorry, job. sorry, Hansi. Hansi Dieter, as I yeah. used to call him. <laughs> uh, he still owes me money from backgammon, by the way. Um, <laughs> So, uh, because remember, he'd already been assistant to Yoki Lowe um, when they won the World Cup in Brazil. So he already has that link with the DFB. So there, there is a possibility there, although maybe a big carrot, awful big carrot for him to leave Bayern the way he's got them just now. But yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised that he's, he, I think he came out as well. I didn't actually see it. Somebody told me, he said, oh, I see Jürgen Klopp has rolled himself out the job. And I was generally not that surprised because I still think he thinks there is huge unfinished business at Liverpool yet. And there's no way he's going to leave them in the position they're at at the moment. No. Yeah, that makes sense, Martin, isn't it? You couldn't see. I mean, for, for, for apart from anything else, they didn't have the they didn't have the joy of celebrating the title in front of their fans. Liverpool, he'll want to try and do that properly. Yeah, I, I thought I thought it was fantastic what um, Klopp did this week because he didn't. He's in a situation there where people. I wonder, oh, will he have money to spend? Will he get the support of the ball? Does he need, you know, does he need to replace this player on that player? And he could have played politics with with the German job. He could have done a little bit of eyelash fluttering and 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 let just let it play out a little bit longer, and you know, kept the ball on their toes. And and he didn't. 
he got asked the, he got asked the uh, question and he said no uh, and it was an unequivocal no and I thought that was impressive because it, the temptation was there would I, I mean you could imagine a lot of his peers and some of his predecessors you one could imagine Rafa Benitez wondering whether he was going to get money from the board and a, and a being linked with the job in, in Spain, I don't think Rafa would have uh, just dismissed it out of hand or whatever. I think he would have he would have played it a little bit, and 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 he didn't. And it was exactly what Liverpool needed at that time, because they've had so many different crises this season in terms of the injuries and and everything like that. That the last thing that the players needed, you know, just got beat by Fulham, very low in confidence. The last thing that they would have needed is speculation about whether the manager was staying or going, or is he going to be there next season, or what's going to is this, going to, is this team now going to break up or whatever. So I just thought it was a um, use this word advising noble thing to do basically because uh, and he's done it before to be fair before the uh, Champions League final he was linked with Juventus he used one word uh, to describe that. Can't say it on this uh, on, on this channel, but he used one word to describe it, and the story went away. And if you think of Pochettino and the way he was talking in riddles before the Champions League final, and what happened to Liverpool the following season, and what happened to Tottenham the following season, stability matters. Yeah, it really does. Um, Steve, let's talk about everybody's favourite subject, VAR. Oh. And yesterday, the Premier League asked every club for ways in which VAR can be improved next season. I would like to say, let's start by giving blatantly obvious penalties, like, <laughs> like Foden, Phil Foden and, yeah. and Peter's handball. Unless like, you think I'm wrong and Peter's wasn't a handball, but he had the wingspan of a golden eagle with his arm out there. Well, how can we improve VAR? Yeah, I, 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 John, what, I, like, I like the steps that they're taking in terms of bringing it out in terms of, it, it all seems in-house at the moment, doesn't it, with VAR? Now, they, as you say, they're, they're, they're branching out. They're saying to football clubs, football people, that's what it is, it's football people, you help us. You know, how do you see where we can improve? And again, it just comes down to consistency. And as long as there's a clear black and white consistency with it, then everyone's going to be fine with that. Alan, is it only us who have these problems? I mean, you watch a lot of European football and obviously you play for Bayern. Are they having similar discussions in Germany and Spain and France and Italy with VAR? They had a, a spell two years ago. Um, and I think I'm going to say with San Pauli, which is the second team in Hamburg. Anyway, the shot had gone past the post and hit the board and come back in and they played on. And it, <laughs> it went right through the back of the net. I can't even remember. It's terrible. But it was something ridiculous. You were like, Who's, who's looking at that? How can you possibly not see that? And and, and the, the one about the Foden one was immediately I was like, okay, so John Moss hasn't given it. Bobby Madley's in the VAR room and he doesn't want to go against John Moss. Mm. Right? So listen, listen, we'd all be like, okay, John didn't get it right. It, you know, things happen so quickly. VAR's there to help the game, mm. to help the referee, but not back up a bad decision. When everybody can see that's the situation, that's the problem with VAR right now. And by the way, if you'd watched Alan McAnally in Soccer Saturday five years ago, and every Saturday from then, the offside rule, if you make it daylight between you, there is no grey area. Yeah. And in VAR, if you get an ex-football player to work with a referee, and I'm being serious here, and just get it right, because what we want is to get it right, because right now, and I'd say to Martin and Steve, if you ask me right now, is VAR helping us? I'd say no. Now, how can that be possible when we've got 20 cameras at a game? And mm. the handball thing, don't get me going there because it's an absolute joke. And every single manager, in fact, who was it the other day? Was it Sean Dyche? It was Sean Dyche and also Mourinho, I think it was, were completely and utterly perplexed about decisions that happened in the game with the use of VAR. It's not helping. And then if, it's, if it continues not to help, then I'm happy to go, right, okay, let's talk about it. We can go back in the pub and say the ref had a good game or ref had a bad game. Because yeah. right yeah. now, it's killing us. Absolutely mm. killing us. And by the way, there was uh, uh, sorry to, to keep going here. Phil Foden tried to stay on his feet, right? I think that is so commendable for a young player. Because what I don't want VAR to be 
is for an excuse for players to go, I was touched, so I died. If you can try and stay on your feet and still get the opportunity to get the right decision given to you, mm. even though you tried to score the goal, that's what VAR's for, not to cheat. That's another one I said. Give me my own show. Cheats and divers. I'll have them embarrassed every weekend. Mm. <laughs> I, 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 well, how was that, I like Martin? That. All right. Yeah, yeah no, I liked it. I liked it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. I, my worry is, and I think we might all agree with this, it's in crisis, VAR, isn't it? Let's just literally take this pitch side monitor. First of all, don't go to the pitch side monitor, whatever you do. Then everybody was going to the pitch side monitor. Mm. Now we've had two incidents in the last week with Foden and Peter Samble. Steve and I were working together on Saturday mm. night. Where again, now, even though surely there's a decision to be made, even if the referee sticks with his on-field decision, they're not going to the monitor. So we're going like this. You know, yeah, then a yeah, goal absolutely. goes when a goal goes in now and I'm at home, I pick up the paper. I let the dog out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I come, back is, into, it, it, I come back in two minutes. Has it gone in? Oh, it's, it's a strange one. one. It's, like, it's like the yeah. 1930s. It was well just shake hands. Good goal. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, <laughs> it is a very strange one because I'm very much like that now. That you, you, you scored a goal and, and you think, right. What's the well, supper? Uh, uh, you know, because you know there's a bloke looking at a screen like this thinking, right, how can I cancel this out? You know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's... Uh, there's, there's so many different issues. One of the more positive uh, things that was said this week is there might, you might be able to hear the conversation between the referee and the VAR. Now, that certainly helps. It certainly helps yeah. in rugby. Oh, yes. Uh, and one of the big, big uh, mistakes, uh, Mark, you were doing the match um, when England played uh, Wales the other week, is that the referee uh, goes there. Uh, yeah. The French referee didn't explain that you couldn't. There was no, no conversation that anyone could hear. So you're just looking at that and thinking. Everyone in the rugby world thinks the second try is a knock on. Everyone in the rugby world thinks he hasn't given England time to to get uh, get into the into position after demanding that that the, 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 the uh, captain speaks to his players. On neither occasion was there any conversation that could be heard. So you actually heard his thought process. You actually knew the thought process. And that is what football is like every single week. It's a mystery to us all. Like, I mean, last night there was stuff going on in the Manchester United match. Alan mentioned the, uh, the Milan goal, which yeah. I, I can't see where the handball is, Steve. Can you see where the handball is? Did you see the match last night, the Milan goal? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't clear and obvious. No, no it wasn't. No. And there's no conversation and there's no anything at all that actually explains what this guy <clears throat> believes he's seen or what he has seen. Because either we haven't got the angle or he's made a mistake, but there's no explanation. It's just, it Steve, happens by magic. Steve, do you honestly believe, Steve, that we will hear what the referee is saying to someone in the VAR? I think it's got to be a step that will that will come in. I think they, they where it needs to be improved, that will definitely uh, leave no stone unturned. I think the, the, the way it comes down to really is I think Scott Parker nailed it with what he, he said um, the other day in terms of the raw emotion. Mm. We're trying to be too sterile, you know. We're trying to make this so clear. You know, it's not about that. It's about the raw emotion. It's about the personality. It's about, you know, wrong, wrong decision-making. I know we're talking about the top end of, 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 uh, of world football here in terms of the Premier League and how much money is at stake. But as you say, when goals go in, you're like, oh, right there, can you celebrate? Can you not celebrate? It's just, it needs to be fixed really quick. I know I say this. It's got to be fixed. I think this is a cry. I genuinely think this is a crisis point. If you've got to get yeah. to a situation, the whole joy of football is the rarity of the goal, which makes the celebration that greater. If we're getting to a situation where goal goes in and you go, really? Well, mm. then the gate is we're over. We might as well go do something else. If that's well, what yeah. we're, if yeah. that's what we've got to, and that's where we are in <clears> real. But I think <clears throat> I think Scotty Parker is saying that as well, Steve, because VR is not working. Now, no. if it was working, he wouldn't have those thoughts, the sterile thoughts or the emotion of the goal going in, hang on, we need to check it, et cetera, et cetera. Because there are so many instances within the penalty box that you're like, oh, Ooh. you know, the, what, what was the one the other day? Somebody had hit the ball and he turned. So, it, it, so he turns and it hits his hand on the back of the hand and they gave a penalty. And I was like, 
that's one I'm not I just I, I, it's, it just can't be it can't be and yet it is in every single manager and by the way Steve if you and I were still playing now we'd be apoplectic at the referee giving it says the referee yeah. I'll, come, I'll come over with you to the screen and explain exactly why this mm. is a foul yeah. or not a deliberate handball but, yeah. but I mean Martin's obviously going to write this in columns and columns and columns but I think you're right Pugs it's, this is a crisis of all crisis of a game we adore that we don't adore it anymore because we come for so, for, so frustrated and even as we're talking about it and getting animated you're like oh my god this is going to happen at the weekend and we're going to yeah. say seriously VAR seriously I just think they feel like they've lost sight of common sense going back to your example about the rugby if it looks like a mm. duck and walks like a duck and talks like a duck it's a duck okay <laughs> if you look at the whale's second try it was clear it's, it's look, a knock oh, it's, it's clearly it's a knock on, on. it's clearly a foul you look at Peters it's clearly Hamilton let's have some common sense I thought it was all right but but the thing is they've moved away when you talk about common sense what they've done is they've moved away from the rules and 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 the way the rules were when the rules were written because there's no television when the rules of football are written so it's every it's offside is about what can be seen with the naked eye it's not it, sh- it was never meant to be that we will have this technology that we can actually um decide to th- that, that that degree whether you're that much offside that wasn't meant to be what offside was about offside was meant to be when you were clearly standing be- beyond the beyond the defender um I, and we've moved away from. I think I've used this uh, on here before. It's the same with golf and the ball moving. Once you've addressed it, it was never meant to be that you could slow the game. That you could slow the the action down to that so that it moves by one dimple. That the even the guy who's standing over it can't see that it's moved. But you can you can notice that on television. Now he's signed for the wrong card, and now he scores wrong, and he's he's by the rules. He's a cheat. Mm. And and golf stopped that happening. Golf stopped that. That you you weren't allowed to phone in your complaint that Tiger Woods' ball moved by a dimple when he was addressing yeah. it on the fourteenth fairway, and nobody noticed but you with your slow mo camera and, and all of this. Mm. They they but, stopped that happening because it was against the spirit of the game. And this is again a, 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 yeah. a toenail offside. It's against the spirit of the game and the rules when they were written. And that's the same for the handball, isn't it? I mean, again, when they changed the rule for the handball before last last week, surely there's a common sense feeling that it's right. This would be a if you hit the hand leading up to a goal, it's disallowed. Why don't they just go, well, if it, if it hits the hand purposefully, purposefully, you know, the one that Fulham, the one got this out against uh, Fulham the other day, I mean, why they, from the start, instead of just changing it in jibs and drabs, just go at the start, right, this is what it's going to be. If it's purposely done, it's disallowed. If it's unintentional, you know, then it's it's the same. I mean, what what is this? It just can't common get me. Sense. The handball, common sense. The, yeah. the handball yeah. in the build-up to the goal. The handball in the build-up to the goal starts because uh, Bowley, I think it is, isn't it, of Wolves scores Wolves. with his hand yeah. against Manchester City completely <laughs> accidentally. Scores yeah. with his hand, um, and the referee doesn't notice it in the goal stands, mm. and obviously. That's what you, you, you can't put the ball in with your hand. So there's a very obvious thing that we can all sort out there. If you put the ball in with your hand accidentally, we've got to give it as of a course. handball because you, you can't You can't do score that. your hand. Yeah. That has become any touch of the hand in the build-up to the goal. It's got to be this. And, this. and mm-hmm. then you've got some players, if they handball it, it's a free kick. But if the defender handballs it, it's not a penalty. And you, you go, well, how can two guys be standing next to one another? And if one of them handballs it, it's a foul. And if the other one... Don't... And the whole thing's got messed up. When all, they're really, all you really needed was a directive that said, look, if it comes off the guy's hand to score the goal and the ball goes in off the man's hand... Obviously, we can't give that. And, mm. and, and that was all anyone really wanted. Mm. No one wanted, oh, it was a handball 40 yards up the field. It came off the fellas. might come off his shoulder, probably came off his arm. Six passes since then, but that's disallowed. No one wanted that. Big deep breath, everybody. Let's, let's finish with a positive. <laughs> Steve, which is, your, you've just mentioned him, your old club, Fulham. Terrific win at Anfield. Deserved win at Anfield. And they, well, they Drag Brighton into it. Newcastle in it already. Burnley are sort of in it as well. But they've given themselves every chance, haven't they, Fulham? 
they have uh, at the right time of the season as well. You're just hoping it gets into the season. You're thinking, is it? You don't want it to be, you know, just just too late for them because from where they are now compared to our, at the beginning of the season, I mean, their first few games, the defending was absolutely awful. I mean, and they've mm. really become accustomed to it. There's been a lot of work that's gone on the training pitch. I've spoke to Scott Parker. There's a real belief that's, that's not really strayed away from the squad all season. And he's done ever so well to turn it around. And they want to run now where, as you say, they've dragged Newcastle in, they've dragged Brighton in for sure. Uh, you know, possibly could a Southampton or someone like that, you know, get roped in because mm-hmm. they're falling off the edge of a cliff. But they've got a chance. You know, they've really got a chance. They're creating chances. It's just about being precise. But if they're going to be picking wins up against Liverpool, you know, uh, you know, they got Man City on the weekend. That's going to be a tough ask. They've got a tough run towards now to end of the end of the season. But Scott will get that belief to them. He's been in this situation before as a player twice he'll know he'll see the signals but he's got a lot of belief going through that dressing room that they can get out of it and best dressed man in the Premier League isn't he your old pal Ooh, he, he is <laughs> he is he was always like that as a player Lily, Martin that's a sideways sweep at that beautiful shot you've got <laughs> yeah I realise that I realise that one of my favourite shirts um, the, um, what a well, uh, Martin, yeah. what about West Ham? Come on, close to your heart. People know that. West Ham at Manchester United. They lost there in the Cup the other day. I would suggest they need to be a bit more on the front foot this time because they've still well, got top four as a dream. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was. I was listening to... Uh, I was watching the match last night and um, and someone uh, said, you know, Manchester United have got a big game at the weekend against informed West Ham. You think, well, there's three words I've never said uh, before. So... Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the thing is that um, the, the great thing with, for, for West Ham, uh, for West Ham fans, really, is that they went to Manchester City the other week and you're, and you're not looking at it thinking, well, if we can keep it to four, um, that, that'll, that'll be all right, you know, because it's usually six. Um, and you go there and you think, well... I don't think we'll get stuffed. We might not beat them, but I don't think we'll get stuffed. And 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 you look at West Ham uh, going to Manchester United on Sunday, and I, I'm not saying we'll win. I never think we'll win, but um, but you do you do watch them, and, and now you think we ain't going to get stuffed. We're not going to, you know, we, we could give this lot a game. We really could give this lot a yeah. game. Um, and. They're, they're good at all the things that West Ham were never really good at, set pieces and 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 that sort of thing, like the real, like the sort of dirty work, really. That that yeah. that, that haven't hasn't been West Ham's forte. Let's let's be honest about it. And uh, but they they're good at doing the dirty work now. Yeah. You know, go we'll on, just, Alan, uh, a bit of Scottish uh, Scottish solidarity with David Moyes, doing a brilliant job there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm obviously biased. I've known David for an awful long time, and every time he comes on the telly, <laughs> and he's like. Yeah. Well, yeah, we've, we've done okay. Um, <laughs> you know, we we didn't. I'm like, go on, Moisey, don't give anything away, son. It's like it's like watching a, a greyhound trainer. Have you got a yeah. chance? Oh, I don't know, son. He's broke his leg, but we, he's still favourite to win the race, kind of thing, you know. <clears throat> and he's like, you know, we haven't done anything yet. We'd really like to finish, you know, maybe in that top four. Yeah, right. He is bursting inside. Let me assure oh, you yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Moisey is bounding inside. <clears throat> And of all the games that have done well so far in the, in the space of the last six weeks, he'd have an eye, had an eye in this game, this particular game, because yeah. there's a little bit of unfinished business, a yeah. little bit of things to prove, and he's going there with a team that right now are not only defensively better, which is first and foremost what he's made West Ham, he's also got his fullbacks in better positions when they've got the ball in the final third, and they look a bigger goal threat. It'll be a very interesting game against Man United. Mm. And knowing him as well as you do, Alan, is is this mm. underneath it all? Is this I'm showing you lot? I'm showing all you lot in football who doubted me after Man U and West Ham first time and Sunderland, etc. I'm showing you how good I am. Correct. And by, and incidentally, and Martin will know this, and so will Steve. When he after, when he left Manchester United after 14 months, which incidentally was a joke, because every, every manager after that got time and money, etc. And Moisey didn't. And even the greatest manager in the world was on the football pitch with a microphone saying, this guy's coming in, give him time, which they didn't do. And everywhere he's gone after Man United, he's been a success. 
He hasn't been relegated. By the way, they were staring relegation in the face when he went to West Ham first time round. Didn't. And he's gone back there again. And even he probably thought, mm, do you go back to, can I, can I make it as good as they are? And he's gone back and turned West Ham into, you know, top six, maybe top four, probably their best season for 10 seasons. So yeah. he deserves a big pat in the back for sure. Mm-hmm. He, his interview the other day was great as well, when, it, when he said about dropping out, he was disappointed to drop out of the top four. Mm. Um, you know, with uh, was it before the Leeds game, and that was a psychological message as well to that dressing room to just sort of show how far they've come. You know, and 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 Alan's right there in terms of he's probably kept all his cards close to his chest throughout the season. Now we're just West Ham, we're just going about our business. But that was the first time that you actually see him come out and say that. You think, you know, that that is how far the strides of, of West Ham have gone. The only thing with West Ham is you do worry about that team in terms of they. They play the same players week in, week out. You know, the two lads in the field, sure. Bryce and Suchek. Uh, Dawson's been absolutely fantastic at the back. Um, uh, Antonio up front that we spoke about. The, the whole spine of that team is so strong. But you just feel if a few pieces of that jigsaw come out, then that team can crumble in terms of the size of that squad as well. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. I mean, all, all you, the only thing you'd say is that Ogbonna got injured a few weeks ago and a, a mm. month or so and every West Ham fan went, oh, right, that, that, you know, that's it. We're, we're yeah. Because Ogbonna had been exceptional this season, absolutely <clears throat> exceptional. Yeah. Um, and Diop has come in and looks a different player. He looks like mm. the player that he looked like when he first came <clears throat> to West Ham and then he, mm. he sort of went off the boil and, and, and became a lot more flaky and, and he looks like that old player again. So, uh, as Alan said, I mean, the defence... That's that's what he's done there. He's got he's got West Ham defending properly. Yeah. Um, you know, even with Arthur Masuaka in the team at the start of the season, they still defended properly and 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 he's a nutcase basically as a as a defender. I mean, I mean <laughs> you know, I mean me and my brother, I, I think he's a smashing player, Masuaka, because I, I think the his his movement of the ball and everything, fantastic. You wouldn't have anyone anywhere near a defence because he seems to have no sense of danger. He's a bit like David Louise. He's an optimist. Yeah. He thinks everything's gonna work yeah. out for the best, you know, whatever whatever happens, you know. Um and um but even with Masuaku, they still look solid. They still look a solid group at the back. So Stephen Stephen I could give every defender we played with, when we say, oh, he was good in the air and he was very quick over 10 yards, you know, and he had a good left foot. But the best thing about me was a nutcase. Yeah. <laughs> you have all those, wouldn't you? And, and that's what made him a defender. <laughs> Let's finish with a quick word on Arsenal Tottenham. We talked about Kane. We talked about Arsenal playing out from the back. Alan, Arteta said that he feels the Arsenal project is about to go bang, which leads to the obvious gag. Well, if they play out from the back, it will go bang because it'll implode. But is are Arsenal about to go bang at the right end of the pitch? Well, listen, I don't know anybody that's got a particularly bad word about Mikel Arteta. He's one of the nicer guys in football. You kind of want him to do well. There's a couple of things he's come out with that have been like, oh, Mikel, just, you know, the, don't, don't kind of highlight on, you know, what we were we were 14% to go into the game to win it. And you're like, no, who cares about percentages and stuff like that? Yeah. Uh, if you think, listen, he watches the players. I will say, incidentally, the other night there at Olympiacos, it was a great result for him. A genuinely, yeah. really, really yeah. good result. Yeah. And, a, and a real shot in the arm, genuinely, that yeah. might, in terms of confidence, help, a, you know, six or seven of the players. Um, I get, listen... If they think they're that confident going in against a Spurs team, that I think will win the game anyway. If they if they start doing things that we expect them to do, then it will implode and it'll go bang at the wrong end. Um, I have no great against Arsenal apart from my best pal Charlie Nicholas, who loves Arsenal and I always hope they do well. Otherwise, um, I must admit I'm still with Spurs at the weekend, but I hope Mikel Arteta does well. But uh, there's some of the things I think he, he can pull back and just. He still doesn't have players he wants at the football club. I genuinely think that. I think there's still players at the club that he thinks, OK, I don't need these three players, but I need three new players. And it'll be interesting to see at the end of the season if he gets that kind of opportunity. Because mm. if they finish where they are just now, a lot of people at mm. Arsenal will be thinking, is he the right man for the job? Well, Steve, you obviously started your career at Arsenal, so you have a level of affection for them. Where are they going bang? <laughs> a, good, a good end or a bad end? <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Joe. What I, I definitely think there's been a progression under uh, uh, Arteta. There's uh, it's a transition. 
I do like the way that they play. You know, you can you can really identify the way that he wants them to play with with Aubameyang either up top, and then the wide men in Saka or Pepe or William that comes into that their inside channels and allows Bellerin and Tierney. Who for me, Tierney has really stepped up a notch as well. They get them high and wide. I think that is where Jose will look at it and really try to stifle them because Arsenal like it when the game's open and exposed. When when there's a low block, they sometimes tend to tend to struggle, but in terms of going forward, there's really an outlook now that you can identify with Arsenal. Um, it's a shame that they've had to rely on sort of Saka and, and Smith Bro that come in. There's been the bright spark with players like Lacazette, William, uh, Abamyang that have just dropped off. But when they're all singing and dancing, like last night they controlled the game for 60 minutes. But first half was one of the best first halves I've seen from them. Uh, this season looked really composed, controlled, moved the ball really well. The fullbacks balance it off so good. They're high and wide, good rotation, good movements, runs off the ball. But goals change games. And if they're going to shoot themselves in the foot, they do have a wobble. They do get rattled. It's fascinating, Martin, isn't it? Because you've got Arsenal trying to do what they do up against Kane, Son, a revitalised Bale. Deli Ali on the bench. Lucas Moura's, you know, is no pushover. It's a really interesting matchup, and you look at their league positions as well. Mm. Well, if you didn't spot Arsenal, Tottenham, you would say it's two bald men fighting over a comb. This one, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there is, yeah, there is that. There is that. There's a little bit. What was it going? Everyone subscribed. Man, you Liverpool in the days when they were like seventh and eighth. It's like the dog and duck versus the red line. But yeah. Tottenham. <laughs> perhaps more than Arsenal, would certainly harbour ambitions that if anyone in the top four slipped up, um, they could they could get in there. And they'd look at mm. the fact that West Ham have been in the top four and think, well, we should be able to get beyond West Ham. And they look that, that Leicester have got injuries and think, well, Leicester could start coming back and Manchester United are being consistent and, 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 and things like that. So I think it's I think all of these games are huge for Tottenham because they've got to keep that momentum going because they can't afford to lose too many. Um, now between now and the end of the season, you know, if 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 they go on a little uh, a blip, that's them done. That's them. That's them out of it. That's them looking at seventh place and you know puffing Ireland or whatever next next season. It really is. Um, and so it, it's I think it's a I think it's a very very big game. For Tottenham, certainly. And it's always, you know, the derby makes it a big game for everybody. But certainly for Tottenham in their current situation, they can't afford too many, they can't afford too many missteps. Now. And that's it from Game On. We'll be back next week and every week via Spotify, Apple and Google. That's it from me, Mark Pugach. See you next week for more Game On.